I think a lot of us can sympathize with Job in the first reading today. Life is a drudgery. Will I never see happiness again? After living for almost a year with the coronavirus, we can sympathize with how Job feels. I have been given many months of misery. We can feel that way from time to time. We can feel like life is a drudgery, especially when there's bad things happening to us and stressors put on our life. But one thing that I've learned really helps to combat that sense of drudgery is a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning. And even the secular world recognizes this. In study after study on job satisfaction, they they always find the same thing, that the number one contributing factor to happiness in the workplace, it's not how much money you earn, and it's not how many hours you work, and it's not whether your, your work is difficult or easy. The number one factor in happiness in the workplace is whether or not you feel that your work has meaning that the work that you're doing has a purpose, whether you're designing rockets for NASA or greeting people at Walmart. If you can find meaning to the work that you do, it's easier to be happy doing that job. And if that's true of our jobs, it's even more true of our lives. We find happiness in life when our life has a purpose. And this is why studies also show, fairly consistently, that on the whole, religious people are happier than non-religious people. Because having a religion, having personal faith, helps us find that sense of purpose in our life. It helps us to be aware of the purpose God has given to our lives. And this is why the Catechism of the Catholic Church, right at the very beginning, addresses this topic by teaching us what our purpose is. We were made with a purpose to know love, and serve God. Right? How many of you grew up with that memorized? To know, love, and serve God is our purpose. Why? So that we can be happy. So that we can be happy in this life and be happy with God forever in the next. This is the purpose of man, to know, love, and serve God. And so God gives us minds to know him with, and he gives us a heart to love him with, And when we put that knowledge and that love into action, that's our service to God. So we were made to know, to love, and to serve God, and that will lead to our happiness. St. Augustine put it so beautifully at the beginning of his confessions when he said, You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's beautiful. We were made for God. We were made to give ourselves to God. But the really beautiful thing, the truly beautiful thing, is that God reciprocates. God gives himself to us. And we see this throughout the scriptures. Everything God does, he communicates himself to us. From the creation of Adam, from the call of Abraham, to the the exodus in the desert, to the founding of the Davidic kingdom, all the way to the coming of Christ and the establishment of the church, God communicates himself to us. And when I say communicate, I want you to understand what I mean. I don't just mean expressing an idea or a thought. Communicate 
The root word of that is union. You can hear that word union in communicate, com union, in union with. So when God communicates with us, he communes with us. He makes himself one with us. And so the ultimate communion of God and man is Jesus Christ, when God becomes one of us. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully divine, is the ultimate communication from God. And so that's why if we want to commune with God in return, which is what it means to truly know, love, and serve him, we also have to do so through Jesus. He is the bridge between God and man, between this life and the next. So to fulfill our purpose, to fulfill our purpose and to therefore be happy, we have to be one with Christ. The principal means by which we achieve this, by which we become one with Christ, are, of course, the sacraments. This is why Jesus established the sacraments, so that we could have this visible means of communing with him, becoming one with him. But the sacraments are a means to an end. They're not the end itself. The end is union with God. The sacraments are a means to help us get there. And so if we truly want to to experience the full effect of the sacraments that we receive in the church, we have to strive to be like Christ in every aspect of our life, to live like Christ, not just to come here and receive Christ in the church, we need to do that, but then to live like Christ out in the world. We need to be like Christ. And in our gospel today, we see an example that Christ gives us. In reflecting on this gospel, I saw three things that Jesus is doing that we need to do as well. Three things Jesus does in the gospel. The very first thing, obvious, he heals people, he casts out demons. That's the showstopper, that's the attention grabber, that's why crowds of people throughout Galilee were gathered at his door. He cures the sick and he casts out demons, bringing healing to us both in body and in spirit. And so if we want to be like Jesus we need to bring healing to others. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean miraculous healing. God does give some people that gift, but it's rare. But there are many ways we can use the gifts that God gives us to bring healing to others. It can literally be taking care of someone who's sick, but we can be a healing presence in the lives of others through our kindness through our compassion, through our works of mercy, with a smile, by tolerating other people, by forgiving a debt. There are many ways to be a healing presence in the world. But to be like Jesus, we need to be healers in some way or another. What else does Jesus do in the gospel today? He also preaches He preaches, and this is important, and it goes hand in hand with the healing. Because preaching the gospel fundamentally means sharing the joy that you have found in Jesus with others. And that brings healing. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We say that we're made to know and to love and to serve God in that order, because that's the order most of us experience it. You can't serve what you don't love. And you can't love what you don't know. So for us to love and to serve God, we have to know God. 
Someone preached the gospel to you, and that's why you're here. You need to go and share that good news with others. And this is why St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we have an obligation to preach the gospel. And he even goes as far as to say that if we don't preach the gospel, we can't have a share in it ourselves. We can't hide our light under a bushel basket. Now, preaching the gospel can look like many things. It doesn't necessarily mean standing up here behind the ambo and giving a sermon. Not everyone's called to do that. Some, the clergy, are called to preach the gospel in the church. But everyone is called to preach the gospel out in the world, in whatever context God has placed you. Some people are called to be missionaries, like Father Paul here, who's traveled thousands of miles from his home to come here to Silva, North Carolina, and preach the good news of Jesus to us. And I'm thankful that he's here to do that. Most of us are called to preach the gospel much closer to home, in our families, in our communities. To Andrew and Peter, Jesus said, leave your nets and come, follow me. Some of us will have that call. To the man that Jesus drove out many demons, legion, who then responded and said, Lord, I want to come and follow you. He told him, go home to your family and announce to them all the Lord has done for you. Most of us are called to preach the gospel right there where God has planted us. But we are all called to proclaim the kingdom of God in some way by both word and deed, in what we say and in what we do. So Jesus is a healer. He brings healing. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to be healers as well. Jesus proclaims the good news, and if we want to be like Jesus, we need to proclaim the good news in our lives as well. But there's one other thing that we see Jesus doing in the gospel today that we need to emulate. He goes off to a deserted place to pray. Remember, everything that Jesus says or does is a communication of God to us, even in these seeming moments of inactivity where he withdraws from the crowds. It's very easy for us sometimes to think about ways to be Christ-like in terms of outward actions, things that we're called to do, like healing, like preaching. And we can overlook the importance of the interior life. Remember, there's never been a more effective healer or preacher than Jesus, and there never will be. And yet even he, who was always in union with God the Father, took the time to go off by himself to retreat and to reflect and to pray. And so if you and I want to be like Jesus, we have to follow his example in this as well. We cannot Bring Christ to others if we are not people of prayer. We cannot bring Christ to others if we are not ourselves people of prayer. And so as important as those outward acts of Christian charity are, we need to go to a deserted place from time to time, withdraw from the world, and be alone with God. Because it's that internal union that we have with God that gives all of our external actions meaning. And I wanted to end on that point because in less than two weeks, 
we're going to enter into the penitential season of Lent. I don't know if you've started thinking about Lent yet. It's a week and a half is Ash Wednesday. Think about it. I don't know how you might feel approaching Lent this year because for a lot of us, we might feel like the past year has been Lent. We've spent enough time out in the desert, thank you. <laughs> We're ready to re-enter into the world, right? And so you might hear that word penance. Lent is a time of penance. And you might think like Job, oh, life is a drudgery. Haven't I done enough penance already? But the purpose of penance is to help us to repent. And to repent means to turn towards God. That's what penance is. It's anything that helps us to turn towards God. And I know that the past year has left us all feeling exhausted. It's left us all feeling like life is a drudgery. Will I never see happiness again? But I know that this past year has also left us all in need of renewal. It's left us in need of renewal. We need something to help us turn towards God. So I pray that Lent can provide us all with an opportunity to do that. And it will if we enter into it with intention. That the penances of Lent, the prayer, the fasting, the almsgiving, are things that will help us turn back towards God and to be renewed. By prayer, we raise our minds and hearts to God. By fasting, we practice self-denial. And by almsgiving or charitable works, we practice serving others. Works of healing, preaching the good news, withdrawing to pray, all of these things, the purpose of them is to help us become more Christ-like, which is just another way of saying it's to help us to fulfill our purpose of knowing and loving and serving God, which is the only thing that will raise us up above this roller coaster ride of happiness and drudgery in this life to that eternal life of happiness, which is the life of God himself. Thank you.